0: do do, do, do. Do, 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 do. this is the i read star wars comic books podcast special i'm your host kara Shamborsky here with brian murray hi this week on episode four we are talking about Star Wars comic book adaptations of the films. And since there are many of those, we decided to narrow our focus to three of the most recent Star Wars films, specifically Rogue One, Star Wars The Force Awakens, and Star Wars The Last Jedi.
1: Uh, Brian, initial reactions? For the most part, I thought that these were really good adaptations.
0: Yeah, there were... were I have many specific thoughts on all of them, (laughs) but... (laughs) Uh, I have to say, of the three of them, I thought The Last Jedi was the best comic book adaptation.
1: I had the same thought.
0: Yeah, it was like, I, I didn't feel like I necessarily had to have seen the movie first to follow what was going on. The edit, the cuts that they made from the movie made sense. The art style was unique enough where they were able to do some interesting things with it. And they had an addition of a narration uh, on behalf of Luke and Leia that I thought worked really well in the context of a comic book. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, Brian. Let's save that one for less. Let's go chronologically and start with Star Wars Rogue One. And, uh, a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> so much Star Wars. And uh, this, this movie was unique because it was the first non Skywalker saga Star Wars film that was produced. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So first off, I don't think that you can read Rogue One, the comic book, having not seen the movie and totally follow everything that's going on. Did you get that same vibe?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that you could probably follow the plot. But I don't think that you would understand it nearly as well as having the movie for context.
0: That said, there is a lot of bonus content in this comic book if you did see the movie and you do want more. Like, I felt like the Rogue One comic had a lot of cutscenes thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all this extra Bodie Rook stuff. Like, in the movie, you just know that he's the pilot and he's getting them to, He's he's got the information, he's the catalyst for this whole story happening. But that's kind of it. But in the comic, you get to see a little bit more of, uh, like, how he's still totally scrambled the whole time from his encounter with Borg Gullet, Saw Guerrero's little, like, tentacle monster, truth-telling thing. Like, in the movie, that's a super brief, like... And now his brain's been suctioned with these tentacle things. But it seems like he's fine two seconds later, but in the comic, he is so not fine. He just keeps repeating I'm the pilot to himself when he thinks no one's listening. And I was like, Ooh, what if that had been in the movie?
1: Yeah, and he and he and K2SO have like a unique little bond like that too, where they they have this conversation about how they've both been reprogrammed by the rebels.
0: Yeah, I thought that worked really well, and I was like, wait. I I realized that this wasn't necessary for the film, but now that I've seen it in the comic book, I'm kind of wondering if it was, and we missed an opportunity here.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Other bonus content that I appreciated was all these extra little Mon Mothma moments where you're just like, oh, right, you're a badass, and they always just kind of have you standing there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I I liked how you uh, worked in Catalyst earlier because we did see... A couple little glimpses of the catalyst novel in here as well with uh yeah a little bit of you know not not quite humanizing director krennic but i don't know making it, it you get these little glimpses of what his life was like before galen Erso jumped ship and ruined his whole life
0: oh yeah poor krennic except and, not really
1: except not really <laughs> because because he does suck like but.
0: it's it's been a while since I read Catalyst, and I remember reading reviews of it before I picked it up, and everyone being like, eh, "Like it, th- nothing really happens." But if you're a Star Wars fan and you want more Star Wars, sure, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, r- I remember reading it, and it is really a lot of like, oh, Krennic and Galen Erso like had a functional working relationship for a really long time. So you get a sense that part of why Krennic's so mad at Galen is because he does feel a level of personal betrayal here.
1: Yeah, it it adds an element of tragedy to his character.
0: So, ha- so they incorporated that really well into the comic. Like, you didn't need to read Catalyst to get that there was a history there, because right. as Krennic is leaving what he thinks is Galen's dead body, you see him kind of flashing back to scenes of them kind of just hanging out before, which they could have done in the movie, but it would have been distracting. But in a Mm. comic, it's not as distracting because things like that are done all the time.
1: Yeah, and I do think that this comic's use of flashback was very effective because we got a lot of those with Saw and Jin as well.
0: Oh, speaking of being a Star Wars nerd, how about that that, uh, Stella reference when... Saw yeah. Guerrero's is like about to die. I was like, oh, you know, the real nerds are picking this one up. Not to <laughs> not to gatekeep, but like right. odds are if you're picking up a Star Wars comic book adaptation, you have probably seen Clone Wars. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we like you already know you've saw the movie. So why would you want the adaptation unless you want to? I don't know. Like, what is the appeal of an adaptation if you've already seen one version of the story? I guess oh, it's for boy. this bonus stuff.
1: Yeah, we could we could go all day on that. <laughs> uh, I uh, did love that moment, though, because it makes Saw's decision to stay behind make a lot more emotional sense to me. Because in the movie, I just kind of got the impression that, I don't know, he's just giving up for some reason. Mm. But with just like him just saying her name and we get like that one panel showing him and her together back in the Clone Wars. And it gets a much more of like a you know, I've done all I can and now I get to see my sister again, kind of uh, feeling. Ah.
0: Uh, right? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, on that same track of emotional resonance, there were not a lot of extra Jared and bays in this Rogue One adaptation, but it was just enough where it made me realize that actually there are some plot holes regarding them in the film that I mm-hmm. think the comic answered really nicely. Like, you know when you really think about it there's there's no real reason in the film for them to keep following the rebels but in the comic like Base actually asks chariot like what are we doing (laughs) (laughs) and chariot's like explaining that Jin is like she's shining and since this was like right after he asked if uh if Cassian looked like a killer because the force flows darkly around someone who's about to kill, you're like, oh, Cherit sure, might be like physically blind, but he's definitely force sensitive and he can get, I guess, force vibes off people. So if he's saying like Jin is shining, then that is definitely going to be enough for him to be like, yeah, whatever, we'll go with them. And then uh, they talk about how, you know, she's giving them a way to kind of fulfill their role as guardians of the temple because they don't want to see the kyber crystals used for destruction because that would be a perversion of what they're supposed to be for mm-hmm. and i was like where was this in the movie just one line one line would have solved this
1: <laughs> yeah it would have been so easy to just squeeze that in but i i, I really loved a lot there was a a line when uh when Bay saves cheer from the stormtroopers on uh, Jetta. Uh, he just goes, you're welcome, Chirrut. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, could these husbands be any cuter, please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah, I, I get emotional about their death scenes regardless of medium because while I was reading the comic, I was just like, no, let's not
1: do this. Um, Yeah, there's a little part of me that was like, maybe they'll be fine.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's an adaptation, not a reimagination. Uh, if only. <laughs> yeah. So there were some things that I thought worked better in the movie and some things that I thought worked better in the comic. Like I thought basically all the fight scenes worked better in the movie. I had a really Mm -hmm. hard time following them in the comic book. Uh, Some things that worked really well were, um, you know, at the, at the end of rogue one spoilers (laughs) at the end of rogue one, you see Leia getting the plans and, blasting off in the Tantive 4 and you know that that leads immediately into A New Hope, but in the comic they were able to reinforce that by ending the comic with the New Hope
1: screen crawl, and I was like yes! That was really good. Uh, like, also... obvious... Go on. Uh, I was just going to mention another, another moment with Leia in this comic. There's one one panel in one of these Saw Guerrero flashbacks where we see Saw talking to Bail Organa and like little baby uh, Leia is just staring at Jin from across this hollow table, uh, and just like I, I just I want I want to see like the YA novel about these two surprising oh. badasses. <laughs> uh,
0: I so this this comic because there was a little bit more. I, I guess this comic adaptation didn't work as a straight adaptation because I don't think they were trying to be a straight adaptation. I think mm-hmm. they were trying to be like. Here's Rogue One, but we're gonna throw in like all these cutscenes because there were also some more uh, bits with is it Admiral Radis? Yeah, I always oh. want to say Admiral Radisson, and I'm like, nope, that's a hotel chain.
1: <laughs> but- yeah, no, I'll never forget Admiral Radis. He cost me a Star Wars bar trivia game one time.
0: Oh no! Uh, it was
1: like the the one question we didn't get was what was his name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now you will never ever forget.
1: Never um, again.
0: So while reading all this extra Admiral Radis, where he's like, yeah, 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 we're going to go fight. I was like, oh, my God, the Mon Calamari's are the Hufflepuffs of the Star Wars world. (laughs) It's like, you know, because like the Gryffindor, like, sorry, everyone, we're going to get Harry Potter for a second. But the Gryffindors are all just like, yeah, we're like brave and stuff, but we're going to be reckless. Whereas Hufflepuffs are more like, yeah, we're going to do the right thing. But but do we necessarily have to charge in head first? And I feel like the Mon Calamari's serve this function in the Star Wars universe where they're all like, all right, so, uh, you like, like rebel command can like do their thing. But when we're sure that what we're doing is the right thing, then we're going to bring our whole fleet. Everyone's raising their hand at that table in the great hall. We're going, let's do this. And if it
1: comes to a fight, we're down to clown, (laughs) but
0: (laughs) So I really appreciated that. I'm just like, man, why, like, why have we not seen a Mon calamari Jedi? Like that character would fuck shit up.
1: <laughs> there was one in the uh, the Young Jedi Knights series. I can't remember what her name was.
0: Bring her back. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so at the so I read the Rogue One adaptation in uh, trade format. And mm-hmm. at the end of that, there's a Cassian Andor K2SO special, which now I think has extra resonance now that we know they've been greenlit for a series on Disney Plus.
1: So. I actually did not know that. I'm incredibly excited for it.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So this special was a thing I didn't know I needed, and it's uh, how they met.
1: And it's yeah, really it's cute. so cute. And <laughs> uh, with K2SO <laughs> trying to strangle Cassian. <laughs> Like more than once. <laughs> yeah, but
0: that's the Star Wars meet cute. <laughs> yeah.
1: Attempted murder.
0: <laughs> uh, I appreciated that there was also uh, an effort at Star Wars world building. Something I get frustrated with with Star Wars is when they they are not creative with aliens. I'm like, mm-hmm. you could do anything with aliens, but all of them are humanoid. Like that. That's mm. but uh, there were some fine they were humanoid aliens in this but they communicated via scent which i thought was a very clever idea
1: yeah that was really really cool
0: and it's like you saw cassian's reaction to them and he would just be like like they they would write the the comic book sound effect sniff and then he'd
1: like whip around and be
0: like are you talking about me behind (laughs) your back (laughs)
1: yeah that was good uh this movie reminded me how much i love diego luna as an actor
0: that man could have chemistry with a cement brick
1: (laughs) i'm I'm sure he has
0: (laughs) like i was watching it and like the like i think that's something that was lost in reading the comic adaptation Mm -hmm. is i think the real strength of rogue one is in the acting like across the board but diego luna's like inherent chemistry with the universe is definitely a huge part of that
1: yeah and, and Alan Tudyk's delivery of K2SO's lines like Inspiring. K2SO isn't very funny in the comic no just because like the the lines themselves are not that strong but Tudyk's delivery is just like chef kiss it's perfect
0: uh so good final thoughts on Rogue One before we move on to the new new saga
1: um, I mean, it's, it's like you said, you know, if you've, if you've never seen Rogue One, then I mean, one, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast. That's a, but a bit welcome. of a leap, but yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, but if you have not seen it, I would recommend watching it before picking up the comic. If you have seen it, the comic is a great compliment to the film.
0: Let's move on to The Force Awakens. Uh, first off, Luke Ross's art is so cute in this book. Yeah. Like, it, this is a really, really cute book. It's like bubbly and friendly, which does, I think, fit the vibe of Force Awakens. Force Awakens is like, we're Star Wars, but for a new generation, don't worry about the prequels. We don't have to talk about those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everything is round and soft and fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, And I do think it's a pretty concise retelling. They don't. I think, in terms of the adaptations that we read, this is the straightest interpretation, and that they don't really add anything, and they don't really take anything away.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I I I did like them cutting out that first sequence of of uh, Poe getting the the map from Lor Santeca.
0: Yeah, they did. I think the first part of this story is the only bit where they really did any let's let's call it compression like yeah. there's this single page that sums up ray's life in i think a little bit more of an effective way from the movie because the movie we're just seeing like a day in her life but in the comic book page with nine panels they're mm-hmm. able to show that this is her day every day and um oh god what's what's that um that dude's name The uh, uh, ankar what Ancarpola. Yep. What a name. (laughs) (laughs) You see that he has been gradually decreasing everyone's portions, and that's their life thing. So you see that her life is pretty much the same all the time, and it's getting worse and worse. So you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. Millennials, man. We feel that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is funny, because this... I feel like this adaptation did not fully understand the emotional beats that ray was supposed to have go on well the the first one that stood out to me is uh in in the force awakens there's a point where you know finn and ray are running through the marketplace they get knocked down and the first thing that finn asks when he like shakes off the dizziness is are you okay and we get this shot of ray processing that and like you you realize that no one's ever asked if she was okay before uh. and in the the comic we get that from over her shoulder so we don't see her face and i just think that's a it it's not it's not bad but it's a it's a missed opportunity to help establish that emotional bond with ray and maybe they're assuming that you've seen the movie and so you already have that bond if you're going to have it but i i just think that would have been a a good opportunity for a panel at least
0: you know that that gif of um, from the movie Step Brothers where it's like, did we just because best friends? <laughs> yup. I feel like that's Ray and Finn. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like they they escape this fight on Jakku, and then all of a sudden it's like for the entire rest of the trilogy, they're just like that person is my priority person, and everyone mm-hmm. else can go fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, there's a the other one that got me was. When they find Ray on star killer Base, there's one like, she's like, What are you doing here? And he says, We came to help get you. And then Chewbacca chimes in that it was Finn's idea. And then Ray just like grabs him in that hug. And it's such uh. a, an emotional catharsis moment. Mm-hmm. And in the comic, the hug comes before those lines. Oops. And I'm just like, Were you paying attention to the scene?
0: Actually. Uh, Speaking of that, I think the creative team on this book are maybe just shippers in general, because if you noticed, both of the hugs were prominently placed on the page. There's like the one between Finn and Poe and the one between Finn and Ray, And both of them were like, we're going to have a full panel beat just looking at this hug. And there's no dialogue around it because we just want you to look at these two humans embracing. And I was like, I am here for this. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the the writer on this book is actually Chuck Wendig, who's the author of the Aftermath trilogy.
0: So Chuck Wendig's a super shipper.
1: <laughs> it seems seems to be the case, yes.
0: Like there's this whole extra panel that I have questions about as a Poe Finn shipper because it's like so so uh Finn has just pulled Poe's jacket from the wreckage of the tie fighter before the tie fighter is like swallowed up by the sand. And then in the comic, there's this extra beat where there's just a panel where it looks like Finn's like lying down in the desert with Poe's jacket like splayed on top of him. Mm-hmm. And it was like a super sensual panel, actually. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, what is happening here? Is he, because he was lying down. If he was standing up, I would have been like, oh, he's like checking the size. But because he was lying down, I was like, is he napping? Is he holding on to like a shred of human contact? Like what I have, I have questions about what is happening.
1: I think what it was supposed to be was that he had been like blown backwards because the tie fighter kind of exploded under the sand after it sank, and so I think it was supposed to be like, ah, he's holding the jacket and he fell down. But it definitely had a vibe of like getting your dead husband's shirt out of the drawer and smelling it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you. I'm not crazy. I see I see logically that you're probably right, but that's not how it was drawn.
1: <laughs> yeah, we recognize like the council has made a decision. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, uh, I so I don't normally talk about covers, but I have to talk about the cover to The Force Awakens number two, because it looks <laughs> like Poe's in a rock band. It's so
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like, it's like set up like a lot of Star Wars things where it's like most characters are in the foreground kind of looking at the audience. And then there's like an overarching larger character in the background. But Poe is like mid scream. And I think it's supposed to be when he's on like that torture chair. Yeah. and But like. It looks like he's ro- rocking out on like a power ballad or something. So.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I went go- back and looked at that after I saw your comment, and you're one hundred percent correct.
0: <laughs> like he's in a rock band, he's in the middle of like the most emotional part of the song, and he's giving it his all.
1: Yeah. Well, if there's one thing you know about Poe, it's that he does not leave anything on the sidelines. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. So, <laughs> um. Things that this comic did well using the comic medium that, again, like you could do flashbacks in movies, but in movies like this, it would be a distraction. Whereas in Mm -hmm. the comics, it's just like, here's your background art. So when they meet Han Solo and they're like, oh, my God, you're Han Solo. And he goes, I used to be. And then there's like all these background art moments from the original trilogy. And you're like, oh, no.
1: And, And featured prominently in there is him and Leia kissing.
0: Nope. Nope nope <laughs> too much emotion
1: oh yeah that was uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was also a huge positive for me
0: yeah because like Harrison Ford's a great actor so you could like see that he was a little like messed up when they were when they were talking to him and he was like I used to be and I'm like uh-huh okay yeah Kyler Ren gets all of his drama from his grandfather sure <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh there is also the the at the uh when when han solo gets offed and he's falling down that pit and you have like side-by-side panels of him falling and then leia falling mm-hmm. to her knees or sitting down mm-hmm. or whatever it was It was the the way they drew the parallels between those two things and the panels is very interesting
0: oh i loved that page that is that page is a prime example of what comics can do very well as a medium it's like showing those side by side moments in a way that is not distracting Um, the comic did the the scene where Ray touches Luke's former lightsaber and has all these like force flashes I guess they they approached it slightly differently in the comic than they did in the film, but I thought both interpretations worked, just in slightly different ways.
1: Yeah, I think the the movie version is definitely easier to follow, just because things happen linearly, if the, if that's even a word. Um, but in in the comic. Maybe it's just the, the way the panels were arranged that to me, it sort of felt like everything was bleeding into each other, which is not a criticism. I think that's actually kind of cool. But I think it, it it's just... also,
0: I think it's probably more accurate to what that was. It's kind of like when people say like, oh, you can't mind read, you get like impressions of mm-hmm. from, from people and things like that. So I think in the movie they had to kind of go linearly because you can't really fade in and out without people being like, this is super gimmicky and dumb. But in the comic, you get that this discombobulation. So it makes more sense when Ray's like, I'm never touching that thing again because she just had like a force trip and it was not a good one.
1: <laughs> and a Jedi uh. sativa. <laughs> uh,
0: I want get, to get back on my uh, Poe Finn bullshit because there's this page where. So uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie and in this comic. Um, is when, you know, the Kylo Ren and the First Order have arrived at Maz Kanata's place to arrest everybody. And then Poe and his squad show up and po, there's like this beautiful sweep of like Poe's theme with the music and he just shoots down like six TIE fighters in a row. And Finn's just like, yeah, that's one hell of a pilot. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's him. There's no reason for you to know that it's him. You thought he died. But you just know because the Force is strong with both of you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He can feel it in his heart.
0: Yeah, he's like, that's my husband. (laughs) And I think that the comic showed that scene pretty well. Like, Instead of having it like, here's all these individual panels where Poe Dameron is completely fucking up the First Order shit. They're just like, here's one page where Finn is just like, that's my husband. And you see like all these explosions happening. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm yep 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 yep
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's like you said when you're making a comic out of an action adventure film like these you have to do a lot of compression of these scenes
0: mm-hmm uh i want to talk about kylo ren because i <laughs> forgot how like completely rapey he is in this one
1: yeah like real, in, real in, bad.
0: in both the comic and the movie like kylo ren is such a creep such a creep
1: yeah, and his whole like, "I can take whatever I want" thing.
0: Ugh, gross! Don't do that. This is a message for everyone. Don't do that. That's not cool.
1: This is this is why I can't get on board with the Raylo shippers.
0: Oh yeah, it's just it's just like man, he is super rapey, and like when he's sitting and just st- like with the mask on and just staring at her as she's like unconscious in the strap down chair, I'm like, bro, no, <laughs> like it was like vaguely twilight but (laughs) in like a worse way because at least like when edward cullen was watching bella swan sleep she wasn't like tied down to a torture chair we'll leave that for 50 shades of gray yeah he had not
1: just kidnapped her
0: (laughs) uh but i also liked that the artist for this book made the choice to have Like, when Kylo Ren takes off his helmet, he just looks really pretty.
1: Yeah, Bishon and Kylo Ren. (laughs)
0: Like, I have expected there to be sparkles and roses all over that frame. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this was a choice.
1: (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Kylo Ren is Tuxedo Mask.
0: (laughs) But, like, Tuxedo Mask after he's been possessed by the, like... uh, I forget what like the specific name is, but yeah, yeah, not good tuxedo mask, possessed tuxedo mask.
1: <laughs> Obviously, yeah.
0: yeah. So any, uh, any final thoughts on that one? Kylo Ren's hair is amazing in this book, the end. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was a pretty straightforward interpretation. Let's, let's get into uh, a slight twist on the interpretation for The Last Jedi. So I think that So when The Last Jedi came out, it seemed like people either loved it or hated it. And just let's get it out of the way right now. I fall very firmly into the I loved it camp. Same. And I can see why it was so polarizing. Because The Last Jedi really does subvert or reject everything about the original trilogy. Like, like. Ray and Poe and Kylo and Finn like our main characters are kind of acting as like recklessly and impulsively and we will figure it out as Han, Luke and Leia did in the original trilogy except now those characters have grown up and learned from those mistakes so The Last Jedi was really kind of our new generation of characters getting a crash course in why acting like that is a bad plan. So I could see why people might not have liked this movie in that it kind of said like, hey, all those things you thought were good and cool about the original Star Wars trilogy are actually garbage and here's why.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like... I loved it exactly because it was not like the other Star Wars movies.
0: Yeah, it was very much like... It, it, it was the Star Wars movie that took the most risks from mm-hmm. the original source material, but that's not a bad
1: thing. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah. And re, re, re-watching The Last Jedi this time, I really did truly notice how many women are in prominent roles in this movie, and I'm like, yes. Because watching watching Star Wars as a kid and only having Princess Leia... And like I got the like my parents got me the extra like DK like visual guides to Star Wars. And like those were everything for me because I could learn the names of other girls that were never really given names in the Mm -hmm. movies. So to watch The Last Jedi and have most of the cool shit being done by female characters, I'm just like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, it's a little late, but also thank you.
1: Yeah. Better late than never.
0: Yeah. Uh, so something that I also noticed on this rewatch of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi is, like, Rey can understand Wookiees and droids. Is that a weird thing? Because it seems like she's translating for everyone.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if that's, like, a a latent Force thing. Like, she just has, like, some kind of knack for languages that's amplified, by her force sensitivity
0: maybe because like luke could understand r2 i think or maybe not because he had that like that like droid translator thing in his x-wing and i think that's how he was talking to r2 i don't think it was
1: ever really made clear yeah i think that luke could like get the gist of what r2 was saying but i don't think that he was necessarily like translating sentences the way the way ray does
0: yeah like when r2 is basically having like giving Luke his, like, come-to-Jesus moment where Luke's <laughs> like, I'm never going back, and R2's like, really? Really? Because this hologram from your sister from, like, 30 years ago says differently. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was a cheap trick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and I think Luke's just like, you watch your language or something, because R2's cursing, but you're right. Maybe it's like, it could be he knows exactly what R2 is saying, or it could be that he knows what curse beep sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, reading this comic and like having to having to really examine and think about this this new trilogy made me realize the parallels between the new characters and the original characters and I would mm-hmm. like to share these parallels with you. Please. So, I realized that Finn and Han are both Gryffindors who think they're Slytherins. Like <laughs> cuz okay, so if you haven't read the Harry Potter series, Gryffindors and Slytherins are like kind of like two sides of the same coin. So they're always rivals because they're both like super, uh, let me hit first and ask questions later almost. But Gryffindors are always going to try to do, like their whole thing is like bravery. Like they're going to try to do the right thing, but um, they'll definitely punch first. And Slytherins are very like, I am going to put all of my own interests before yours. And that is just who I am. And I'm fine with that. So I feel like both Finn and Han are both like, they're really going to do the right thing when push comes to shove, but they really, really, really want to try to be selfish. So like this movie, like The Last Jedi, Finn is just running and even in the force awakens he's just trying to get away from the first order and he only really comes back because i guess he like puppy dog imprinted on ray when they first met and now he's uh-huh. just like nope that's my priority person but um he in the last jedi his whole like thing with rose is that she's trying to explain to him like hey there's stuff happening around you that's bigger than just you but he's still like nope nope the First Order is coming, and that's terrible, and I'm going to get away with it, and there's nothing we can do. And I feel like Han Solo also was like, well, my son's as part of the dark side now, and I'm going to run away because there's nothing I can do. But he did come back, and when he did come back, he was like, we are not leaving Starkiller Base until we have helped the people who are flying around pre- helping us. And I'm like, oh, okay, Han, I see through your bullshit. Fine. Yeah. Um, Luke and Ray are both sand kids who just want to see new shit. Like, in The Last Jedi comic adaptation, you even have... So one of the things that worked really well with this comic in adding to the story is that Luke Skywalker is kind of our de facto narrator through it. So you do get to see more of his internal monologue when he's thinking about Rey. And he's like, huh, we are very similar. We're both from desert planets and we both want to get out and see the world. And I'm just like, oh sand babies
1: yeah yeah he's even like until one day you stumble upon a droid carrying secret data vital to the survival of the rebellion
0: and i was like hmm, hmm, look at that <laughs> look at that parallel and then uh poe dameron and princess leia are obviously the same because they both have zero patience and zero fucks like leia might have matured a little bit and be a little like calmer about the decisions that she makes but ultimately she's just like oh Oh, you disrupted the chain of command and did a stupid thing and took over this ship while I was unconscious, stunned. Yeah. And I was like, okay. All right.
1: Uh, that's such a that's such a great moment. I mean, I kind of wish that Holdo had gotten to stun him, but you know, you can only have one person stunning a guy.
0: <laughs> and Leia was definitely just like, I do not like I woke up for this. Like I, I do not have the time for this nonsense
1: i i loved uh holdo's characterization in the adaptation because there's a there's the, a point where when she's first meeting poe in the movie she i can't remember what her line was but i remember it being like vaguely snarky and sarcastic whereas in the comic she's like oh yeah no you're poe dameron i know who you are i need you to sit your ass down and do what i tell you
0: you know, she's like you need to go away now <laughs> I'm like oh thanks
1: yeah oh, i also uh, like the adaptation gave leia a dick joke towards the beginning um <laughs> where, where when the the first order dreadnought pulls in she's like always with the big ships sometimes i have to ask myself what they're compensating for i'm <laughs> just like <laughs> <laughs> i
0: love it the the last jedi comic adaptation was mostly narrated by luke but there was a moment where leia got some narration in when she does her like force floating thing Mm -hmm. back to the ship which is a moment in the movie that i absolutely loved and people are like does the force work like that and i'm like fuck yeah sure it does yeah (laughs) like and who knows but you right but uh You don't really, I was like, she wasn't done yet. And so in the comic, she explicitly goes like, I'm not done yet. (laughs) I was like, thank you. That's the vibe that I got. But it's nice to kind of see it written out for everyone to see. Like, she is not done. Therefore, the Force will help guide her back to life. Uh, And I will never tire of that entire scene. And the, so something that struck me about The Last Jedi, which again is like, It kind of throws out previous star wars stuff is the whole like running out of fuel is an acknowledged problem that drives a lot of the plot yeah in this and i think this is the first time that logistics have explicitly been mentioned as a thing which like Yeah, like, wars are won or lost by logistics at the end of the day. But in Star Wars, it's more like, well, we're using lasers. So we don't have to worry about stuff like that. But it's like, ooh, but you actually do.
1: Yeah, like, you're traveling through hyperspace. There's got to be a cost to that. And I like this movie for establishing that. Mm -hmm. Even as the new trilogy plays fast and loose with hyperspace travel and how long stuff takes
0: yep 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 yep
1: that's Um, a whole nother tangent though
0: (laughs) so many tangents like so many of the notes that i wrote after reading this book are tangents because i just have a lot of emotions about the last jedi like uh and and some of it's from again like reading a lot of are we are we calling it like expanded universe or is that like for the books and the comics and everything or everything's canon now right
1: yeah yeah i feel like there's like the expanded universe which is anything not movies and then legends which is like the old canon
0: right so in uh leia princess of alderaan i think the book is called you see how leia and holdo actually like Knew each other when they were teenagers in like the junior senators program or something, <laughs> and Admiral Hald and Haldo not Admiral at that point but Haldo is basically like this hippie child who's like I I, f- I remember her being like like a gymnast or something and she's just like like a it's kind of like kind of spacey and like new agey Aquariusness and so. <laughs> kind of like knowing that about her and then seeing like what a snarky hard ass she is in both the movie and the comic version i'm just like oh how far you've come
1: yeah yeah you've really grown up haven't you <laughs>
0: uh there's a moment in the last jedi about ray that like really got to me this time because i don't think i noticed it before but they they call your attention so in in comic books, you have so few pages to work with generally that every panel has to count. Mm-hmm. So, so seeing, reading these adaptations was interesting to me because they have to be even more succinct than the movies. So every time they, do, the creators do have a panel, like have a story beat included, like that was a conscious choice that that was not going on the cutie room floor, like even more so than in the films. So there's this moment that was in both the movie and the comic as like a separate beat where Ray is like reaching her hand out to feel the water falling off the side of the Millennium Falcon when it's raining out and she's smiling. And this time when I was watching it, it hit me that water falling from the sky is not a thing that is normal for her because she's a sand kid from a desert planet and water is life. And I was just like, oh. You're seeing the galaxy. Look at you.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good echo of the uh, the line from the, uh, the Force Awakens where she says that she's never seen so much green in the whole galaxy or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like, now you're surrounded by it, honey. It's fine.
1: Yeah, we just we just want Rey to be OK.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> just want Rey to be OK. <laughs> do we do we want Kylo Ren to be OK, too? Or are we ambivalent about that at this point?
1: uh i mean i think that kylo ren can take a short walk or a long walk off a short (laughs) cliff
0: (laughs) he's like 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 i said really watching force awakens i'm like man this dude's such a creep and i'm i'm kind of still feeling that in the last jedi when he has those like moments with ray where they're like in the same place they're like force bonded because supreme leader snoke is doing it to like manipulate them or whatever it that was and like when Ray's like you're a monster, Kylo's like yeah I am, and I was like, oh you're like you're like into that. That's like doing it for you that she's calling you a monster right now. I don't know how I feel about this.
1: When she asks him to please put a shirt on and he refuses. <laughs> yep, doesn't even acknowledge it.
0: Oh my god, he's like the master negger. He's like no one cares about you. You're from nothing. Your parents didn't love you. Only I care about you. I was like ooh. See that right there? That right there is like on the checklist of are you in an abusive relationship? That right there. Let me isolate you from everyone else because only I care about you. That is like top five list of signs you're in an abusive relationship. Don't do it, Ray.
1: Yeah, and his enthusiasm for taking over the role of Supreme Leader really kind of cemented me into the Like I'm not sure how this kid comes back, camp. Mm. Like, because we we got Vader redeemed, but only because he was dying. Like,
0: (laughs) but also he had he had just like Vader had just killed Palpatine. And, like, sure, he had been doing his whole, like, Luke, we will rule the galaxy together as father and son. But he did, like, throw the emperor down the shaft. And then, you're right, he died. But he was just like, tell your sister you were right. And I was like, ooh, if he had lived, would he have rejected the whole, like, leadership thing? We just don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But you're but you're right, Kylo Ren just did his whole song and dance about how we have to burn the past to the ground, but he then immediately stepped into an existing power structure to reinforce that existing power structure.
1: Yeah, and I just want to take a moment to touch on my one of my favorite moments from the movie of Hux, like, seeing Kylo on the ground, seeing Snoke cut in half, and, like, going to take out his blaster, and then Kylo <laughs> Ren gets up and he just puts the blaster back. <laughs> <laughs> the the movie had so many good comedic beats that they didn't put into the comic, uh, which I, I think is ultimately a good thing because I don't think they would have worked nearly as well. Uh, like yeah. the the whole general hugs thing from the beginning <laughs> of the movie.
0: Yeah, um, well, like I said, with the that's what I'm saying with the adaptation. Like you have even less time to work with than you do uh-huh. for the movie, so it's like they cut everything superfluous, and the comedic beats are hilarious, but like you said might not necessarily translate to a comic as we saw with the Rogue One adaptation K2SO's lines fell flat because they didn't have the delivery. Mhm. So,
1: there was one line that I loved that they added, which is when uh Finn and Rose and Poe are talking about their plan to uh like take o- or uh, destroy the Imperial tracking system or whatever mm-hmm. when Poe asks rose about something she's like yeah it's almost like it was my idea or something (laughs) (laughs) because she does totally get steamrolled in that conversation in the movie and seeing this this line pointed out like yeah she was kind of the the engineer behind this thing (laughs) yeah give her some damn credit
0: (laughs) it's almost like i wonder if the the people who were adapting this as a comic, like got the script said, there are some problems with this. Let's fix them. And then did that.
1: Yeah. I definitely think that that's true. Cause I, I, I and I can't remember what they were specifically right now, but I, I noticed moments like that in the other adaptations as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff like even this last Jedi in- interpretation, like giving you an idea of what's going through Leia's head when she's forced floating back uh, telling you a little bit more of Luke's story, like why he decided to cut himself off, why that was a really hard thing for him to do. Uh, just like getting a little bit more of his perspective, which again, I don't think would have worked in the film, but reading it as a comic works really well. So if you like Luke as a character reading this adaptation, basically, like he's your narrator for this story, and which does work because the the movie... Uh, creator said multiple times that you know, The Force Awakens was like Han's story coming to a resolution and for Last Jedi is Luke's story coming to a resolution. So having Luke be the explicit narrator of this comic just kind of doubles down on that.
1: And anyway, it lets us look forward to uh, the rise of Skywalker being the culmination of Chewbacca's story. <laughs>
0: Uh, I just I don't know how they're gonna do that since Carrie Fisher died before they could do any filming for that. I'm just like, <laughs> like they're just like, oh, we're we're saving the best for last. We're saving Carrie Fisher for last, and then she died, and I was like, oh, okay. So I keep wondering, like, what did they have to change? Because you know they had to change that script. Oh yeah, because she died. So now I'm just like, ooh, how will this movie be different than what it? would have been and will they do a comic adaptation that shows what it could have been if she was still alive that's
1: my question that's a that's an interesting thought that hadn't occurred to me
0: right because i mean they did the star wars um the i mean the original script that lucas had and they turned that into a comic so now i'm just like oh but that script that you originally had when you thought you were gonna have carrie fisher what would that look like we can do that as a comic Right. Like they said, they wouldn't CGI her into the movie and just would use footage that they hadn't used from Force Awakens. But like comment doesn't count using people's visage and like comic books and stuff. Could we do a comic version? These are my thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a very interesting question. I'd I'd like to see what they do.
0: Like they, they won't do it, but I'm just like, ooh, but you could do that.
1: Maybe maybe we'll get that in, like, 15 years or something.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, again, talking about things in this comic adaptation that, again, they have so little time to work with, so the beats that they chose, you know, are the really meaningful ones. Mm-hmm. And there are some moments that fuck me up in the movie and also in this comic. Uh, Luke looking to the horizon with the twin sons right before he dies that that's not cool that that made me cry that continues to make me cry and then the end of the movie with that kid in the stables holding his broom like a lightsaber and i i think that the comic adaptation made like a clearer case for why that end scene is relevant Mm -hmm. because like luke does this whole like again through his narration you get to see a little bit more of his perspective and so when he's telling Rey like I'm not the I'm not the guy who you think I am he, he in the comic adaptation he gets a little bit more explicit about how he's like oh man I wish I never told people my story because now I'm like this legend but I'm not that legend I'm just a guy and she's like well yeah but maybe we need a legend right now mm-hmm. so at the end of The Last Jedi the movie when Leia's like we have all that we need right here just to, to continue the resistance. And then they cut to the kid in the stables, listening to the story of Luke Skywalker, and then looking to the stars and holding his broom like a lightsaber. I think that's what Leia was talking about. She's talking about using the power of storytelling to get people to see that there is hope and they can fight back and one person can make a difference. So the comic really made that line, that through line clear that yeah maybe the galaxy does need a legend right now and so luke going out to face kylo ren in his like astral projected form was him being like you want a legend i'll give you a goddamn legend yeah for sure
1: <laughs> so good ah uh, the the brushing the, the dust off his shoulder moment
0: iconic
1: i my theater cheered when i saw that i remember that from the from the first time i saw it <laughs>
0: Like I think I waited my whole life for that moment of film, and I didn't know it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or the uh, the moment of Holdo's cruiser blowing through Snoke's flagship, Ooh. Uh, which which got the full panel spread it deserved, or the full page spread.
0: Yeah, not even not even panel full page because that was I mean the sound cut out, and I just remember like like a shock going through my body because I was like, oh my god, they went there.
1: Uh huh. then hearing about people who. Thought that the sound of their theater had broken or something.
0: (laughs) It's like, nope. Artistic license, friends. Artistic license. Uh. I have to say, overall, the art style in this Last Jedi adaptation was my favorite of the three that we read for this show today. Yeah,
1: I I, I agree.
0: It was, like, very... Like, all the characters' faces were, like, more on the side of caricature Uh than straight interpretation and there's a lot of like cross-hatching that made it feel like kind of a vintage French bande dessinée. like I like I, I just couldn't shake the feeling that this comic was super heavily inspired art style wise by French
1: comics more so than American ones yeah I haven't read a lot of French comics so I'd have to take your word on that but
0: yeah I mean it's it's like like when you think american comics you tend to think superhero comics and then there is a certain like styles can differ but there's generally a similar superhero aesthetic and you can kind of like place the decade by how the style Mm -hmm. looks but it's it, it kind of is like more like clean lines or like when you get into the 80s through present day like all these like weird muscles and stuff like that but um since the french style is not as it's basically non-existent superhero wise so all the stories uh tend to be more uh genre oriented historically like um action adventure or westerns or historical pieces or slice of life pieces and there are a lot of french comics that i've seen that do have this more uh like a like a cross-hatched blocky style. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it it really felt like this comic was coming more from that tradition than from American style superhero comics. And uh, I thought it worked because the the kind of French style that I'm thinking of is kind of 60s 70s comic style and since Star Wars is a franchise that was born in the 70s, that made sense to me artistically.
1: I I I like pictures, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, like the 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 whole time I was reading this Last Jedi adaptation, I was just like, "Man, this art is so good."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I didn't notice it specifically, which is for me a good sign because I normally only notice art if I don't like it. So,
0: oh well, then it's a good thing you didn't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is my final thought for The Last Jedi adaptation. It is my favorite one of the adaptations that we read, and I am obsessed with the
1: art style. And I am obsessed with the movie.
0: <laughs> Such a good movie. And uh, it's just revisiting these films just made me extra, extra excited for Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this.
1: So, so, so hyped. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, everyone. That is our show for today. Thank you for joining us for our adventures through the Star Wars film adaptations. And please join us next time for I Read Star Wars Comic Books Episode 5, where we will talk about the Age of Rebellion.
1: See you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the I Read Star Wars Comics podcast presented by I Read Comic Books. The podcast. This show was first aired on the IRCB Patreon at patreon.com/slash IRCB podcast. Special thanks to all you wonderful supporters out there. Send us feedback about this show at IRCB at gmail.com and check out our website, ircbpodcast.com, for our Discord, Zines, and all things
1: IRCB. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ircbpodcast. This show is produced by Brian Murray and Kara Zamborski, edited by Xander Riggs, and executive produced by Mike Rappin. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.